that's a lasting change that's going to stick with you even when things return to normal is finding and creating a more joyful work from home space. That's something you're always going to have with you, even when you're no longer working on a regular basis at home. And so the idea is to apply these principles to the book at home where your current work situation is for most people. And then you can do the same when you head back into your more traditional office space. But all of these things can stick with us in perpetuity. Welcome to Spark Joy, the podcast dedicated to celebrating the Kamari method and the transformative power of surrounding yourself with joy and letting go of all the rest. With your hosts and certified Kamari consultants, Kristen Ivey and Karen Sochi. And now, here's the show. At no time in modern history has work life experienced such a dramatic and swift upheaval. Scott Sedenshine is here to help us navigate the choppy waters. Scott is the Henry Gardner Simons Professor of Management at Rice University. He holds a PhD in Organizational Behavior from the University of Michigan, a Master's in Philosophy from the University of Cambridge, and a BA from the University of Virginia. As an author, he is best known for his work, Stretch, and most recently, he co-wrote Joy at Work, Organizing Your Professional Life with Marie Kondo. Welcome, Scott. Thanks so much for having me. Scott, we're thrilled to have you on the show to talk about two things we love, joy and work. You'd like to start by exploring your journey to productivity. You were an expert in the world of productivity before partnering with Marie. So we want to hear about your background and how this became an interest of yours. So my interest in business and productivity started during my time working in Silicon Valley early in my career. I was there during the dot-com boom and subsequent bust. And if you remember, it was kind of like the wild west out there. There were lots of companies that didn't really know exactly what they were doing. They were squandering a lot of resources that they had because it seemed like there was this endless supply of money, people, and whatever other resources they were using. And my company itself went through tens and tens of millions of dollars of venture capital very quickly without a sustainable or viable business model. And I saw a lot of really smart people, a lot of hardworking people spending so much effort trying to prop up something that was just destined to fail from the very beginning. So I became very intrigued with this question about how do we interact with the resources in our work and in our lives, whether they be physical resources or immaterial resources like time or money. And I did a PhD in organizational behavior to study questions around why is it that some of us can find meaning and success in our lives with so little, whereas others have a hard time finding meaning and success with so much. So I, I did my PhD at the University of Michigan in organizational behavior and then have joined the faculty at Rice University for the last 13 years, continuing these pursuits. We appreciate that you did study this because I think we have this idea that you know the harder we work, the more we can get done, but it's really about the smarter ways we can work and We so enjoyed your book, really blending the productivity side of work life and career path with the physical 
side of things, the way an office is set up and of course the tidiness that Marie Kondo brought to the story. We reviewed Joy at Work on Spark Joy episode 128. Could you tell us a little bit about the book itself, kind of how you guys partnered together to come up with this idea and this theme and what it was like to work with Marie Kondo? Uh, Sure. Marie and I first started working together March 2017. And in a lot of respects, our our work maybe to, to an outsider would appear very different, but in other respects, it appears uh, very similar because I think we both share a passion for focusing on things that really matter most to us in our work and in our lives. So Marie had become familiar with my first book, Stretch, which is a book really about the science of, of being resourceful, about getting more out of the things that are already in your life. And she had become familiar with it and invited me to her house to have a discussion about how my research and some of the things I've been working on could help understand her method better and to understand some of the science and the basis behind the Marie method. So I had a really nice uh, chat over some tea for, uh, for a couple of hours with Marie and her husband, Takumi, and a couple of people that were working for them. And we talked about how a lot of what they've been doing in their work really has a basis in, in social science and how we can map on some of their concepts to some research that's already happened. So a really nice conversation. And from there, we decided to deepen our relationship and decided to work on a book about work. And the basic premise was tithing has been such a powerful method and has transformed so many people's lives. How can we think about tithing applied to the work, but then the way that takes it beyond just kind of the core of what it's been and use it in a more metaphorical way and think about how can we tidy lots of other categories, not just the objects that might be in our homes or even in our office spaces, but how we can tidy other aspects of our work and our careers. And that's how we started getting on topics like decision-making and time and networks and meetings. It's to really kind of extend this in a metaphorical fashion to boost the the scope of the method. You know, Scott, Joy at Work was launched right in the middle of the pandemic, which was certainly a very weird twist of fate. We now have people rethinking their work environments, or sadly, in many cases, people no longer have a job and they're rethinking their entire professional futures. What are some of the lessons in Joy at Work that you feel would speak to people now in this environment? I think there's a lot of lessons, actually, because what we're seeing is two main ecological challenges that people are having with this pandemic. One of them is a lack of control. There's just a lot of things we cannot control in this pandemic from not just about our work, but from our lives and when we can go outside, where we go outside, what we can do. There's a lot of you know, sense that we, we can't control things. And a, a fundamental human need is to feel like we're in control of our lives. The second major psychological challenge that people are having is a lack of uncertainty. There's no predictability about what the future is going to look like. It's hard to figure out what next year is going to look like or even what next month is going to look like as things are constantly changing. And that's also the the need for certainty is another big human motivation. So we've got this perfect storm where these major human motivations around control and certainty are really challenged by the uh, pandemic. And what this book really teaches us is it helps us give us more control, a greater sense of control and a greater sense of certainty in our day-to-day lives at work. And I think a, a good place to start is to realize that, well, 
physical tidying, like your desk, that's something that you have probably more control over when you're working from home than you do in the office. Most things we were seeing in this pandemic, we have less control over, but now you can maybe organize your desk in ways that you wouldn't be able to do in a traditional office space. So it's doing these small things that send signals to the brain that give us a sense of control. Or organizing your time and providing more certainty in your days. There's a lot of uncertainty, of course, in your day. And you know, you might be working from home with children like I am, and you never know when they're gonna need help or when they're gonna interrupt you. Hopefully they're not gonna come in during the uh <laughs> during the taping of our show today. And so you have a lot <laughs> of uncertainty, but you also, you know you organize your time and you can begin to create more certainty right now. And so doing these things and these practices in the book help with these dual problems of a lack of certainty and lack of control. And I would also add that what I think a lot of people are learning during this pandemic, and I hope that this is one of the silver linings of what people are experiencing, is that there's just a lot of waste at work with what we're doing during the days, how we're spending our times, a lot of what we call activity clutter in the book, doing things that really aren't making that much of a difference. So I think a lot of people are realizing that this must-have weekly meeting that has been on the books for years can really be transformed pretty quickly into just a short five-minute email And my hope is that when things return to normal or at least semi-normal, is that this same focus on paring down things to the the, the most essential aspects of our work lives is going to stick with us. And we're not going to take the activity clutter back into the office when we leave the home and things return back to to normal. And then one other point, and I think this is a, a really critical one right now, is there's no doubt that there's a lot of suffering and pain right now. Over 30 million Americans have lost their jobs. Just about everyone knows someone who's been impacted directly by the virus. And one thing that we can do, and I mean, there's a lot we can't control in terms of the health outcomes, but if there's ever a time that the world needed more joy, now's the time. And if there are small things that people can do in their work where they have control, can have a little more certainty to bring joy to themselves and to those around them, that would be a really big positive step. What the research in psychology teaches us is that joy is almost a super emotion. It could undo the harm, the negative harm that we have from other types of psychological experiences we're having, like anxiety and fears and worries. Joy is almost like this antidote that can unbundle some of those negative psychological impact. So if there are things that people can do to organize their workspace, organize their time, organize any aspect of their career that can bring them joy, I think that's a really helpful thing in these times right now. We're all spending a bit more time at home these days for the health and safety of ourselves, our family, and our community. Are you feeling a little too close to your clutter for comfort? Maybe you're buried under stuff in the home office or craft space, or you're trying to carve out dedicated space for work or homeschool in your basement or on your dining room table. Or maybe you've noticed just how much time you're wasting looking for important papers and emails instead of shifting your time, energy, and resources towards the things that truly matter. During quarantine, my number one priority is to get as many people as possible clutter-free 
and prepared for the other side of this challenging season. If you're regularly asking yourself, where should I put this? Or am I letting go of enough? Or am I even doing this right? As you can worry, a customized virtual tidying experience may be the perfect next step for you. While stay-at-home ordinances are activated, I'm continuing to offer virtual Kanmari-based active tidying lessons, including a tidy desk special, perfect for those working or learning from home. Visit ForTheLoveOfTidy.com and click Free Consult to discuss the various virtual organizing options available to help you dig out and choose joy once and for all. I really appreciate that a lot. I, I know that for me, and I do agree that it's really kind of a collective experience. I mean, it's certainly a collective experience that we are all going through in one way or another. And for a lot of people, if they haven't lost their job, their jobs have changed dramatically. You know, I'm sitting in front of my computer a lot more doing work that's virtual. And I recognize that my computer screen needed to be higher which was not something I was aware of before, but I, I raised it up. I actually even got a little thing to raise it up and it has made an enormous difference. So it's those little things and kind of almost narrowing the focus into those things that I do have control over that has made a great difference in my level of anxiety, which I think is just so important. Yeah. And I think it's absolutely true that we need to focus on the things that we can control. Oh, I was just going to add, that's a lasting change that's going to stick with you, even when things return to normal, is finding and creating a more joyful work-from-home space. That's something you're always going to have with you, even when you're no longer working on a regular basis at home. And so the idea is to apply these principles to the book at home, where your current work situation is for most people. And then you can do the same when you head back into your more traditional office space. But all of these things can stick with us in perpetuity. Right. I think it's so important. And, you know, you and Marie both worked on different parts of the book, which I thought was so interesting, the way that you chose to collaborate. You both focused on things that were kind of your areas of expertise. And I have to say that I really appreciated the focus that you gave to time and task. I have come to think of time as kind of the sixth category when it comes to the five categories of KonMari, because I, I see it as something else that can be tidied up in, in the very same way. What are some of the basics that you see in applying the KonMari method to time? I think the first is to recognize that there's just a lot of clutter in our calendars. And it's sometimes hard to see that because we're so focused on going through the day-to-day that we lose sight of the larger picture and we don't step back and ask ourselves, how am I holistically spending our time? And this, this gets manifested in multiple ways. One of the biggest is what we call the trap, which is we tend to just spend our time on things that appear to be the most urgent, even if it's not the most important, right? There's the cliche that says the squeaky wheel gets the grease and the same really happens in our calendars where we don't have a, a sense of reflection about how am I actually spending our days. So when we tidy our time, we're going through this more mindful engagement of our calendars to really ask, and what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis, is it really necessary for my job? Does it create a more joyful future? 
whether that might mean some career goal or something that you want to learn. And does it spark joy? And I think what most people do is they more automatically sign up for things on their calendars because they don't think about their importance or they feel like they don't have any choices about it. So the advice that we give is really the focus on the urgent and the important tasks. And to realize the magnitude of the problem that people have, it's really helpful, just like you would take your pile of clothes and put them in one place all together to kind of see, wow, I really, I really have a lot of stuff. You've got to do the same with your time because you don't really think about the meeting that you have on Tuesday that takes two hours. Then you might have a couple on Wednesday that take a few hours. And then you've got the Thursday meeting. And of course, you've got the Friday wrap up and things start off on Monday to kind of re-engage with the week. And you don't go through them and realize, well, how much time am I actually spending in these meetings? And to what extent are they, are they creating value? And especially if you're a leader in an organization, the cost of congregating people is very expensive. So I think this, this task is even that much more important. So to kind of make a, a task pile about how you're spending your days and what people realize when they go through this exercise is sometimes they see there's a lot of activity clutter and there are things that they're doing that aren't helpful for their jobs. They're not helpful for the organizations that they're working for. And those are things that can be immediately eliminated. Sometimes people go through this activity and they don't realize the job that they actually had. They might have taken a specific job and signed up because something about that job was really joyful for them. But the way that they're going about their days isn't in line with what they originally thought they signed up. And until they kind of go through this audit where they go through this pile of tasks and engage with each, each task and ask those questions about what's worth keeping, they don't realize that either. So it's, it's important that they focus on, on you know, what to keep. And then there's you know, a couple of other tips that we have about, again, not everyone has, or very few people, I should say, have complete control over what they can do at work. There are things that we just have to do. It's part of the job or our supervisor or boss demands it. But there are some relatively simple things that people can do to have a, a polite conversation with their supervisor or boss and try and help him or her understand why doing a particular activity might not be in their best interests. And the idea is that when you go through this and you kind of parse things down to those things that are necessary, helpful for a joyful future, and that just intrinsically spark joy, you start to create a job that you become more motivated at and more enthusiastic about. That's the most likely scenario. You know, there are a few cases where you go through this and you realize this isn't really the job that I want and you get some need to change or make a, make a transformation either to the job itself or even finding another job. But for most people, it's kind of just a greater appreciation of what they already have, a sense of how they're spending their time and making their job more joyful for them because they're eliminating things that really don't make a difference. The question, does it spark joy, is a simple one, but not so easy to execute alone. Extend your tidying experience by joining the Spark Joy Club, our online community filled with our clients, fellow listeners, and Kamari enthusiasts ready to support your journey. If you find yourself buried under clothing, stuck on storage, or pointing fingers at untidy housemates or family members, we want to help you finish your tidying journey once and for all. Support the show at the Joy Riser level and receive access to our exclusive virtual community, as well as the Tidy Home Joy Journal, your number one tidying companion. 
visit sparkjoypodcast.com and click on join the club to get started. And now back to the show. It's so important. And I think that because we're all going through so many transitions right now, it wouldn't be too inappropriate to have those type of constructive conversations because of the circumstances. So many things are getting shifted and priorities are being reevaluated and the typical way we or frequency we hold meetings or the type of ways we conduct business are, are changing. So I can imagine that this would be an appropriate time to start to have those conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Really good time with a lot of things in flux, not just in terms of the day-to-day activities, but as we've seen from previous crises, when people go through the type of trauma that a lot of us are experiencing right now, it's also a really good time to reflect on the choices that we're making in our lives. And most of us spend our most of our waking days as adults working in some capacity. And so it's really a good time to be engaging with these questions about and what I really doing on a day-to-day basis is it sparking joy. And, you know, sparking joy might be as simple as it's putting food on the table. And that's a very meaningful way of thinking about work. But people can also start to think about is, is what they're actually doing also sparking joy and how they want to think about trying to either transform their existing job or think about what a new career or a new job would look like in ways that really treat as precious their time here on earth. And I think that's something really salient to all of us as we're seeing so much pain and suffering and so many health problems in our society. We realize that we have limited time on this planet. Are we making the choices that we're going to be happy with down the road? So true and so important right now. You mentioned sparking joy. I would love to hear a little bit about how working with Marie And understanding kind of the physical tidying side of setting up a workspace has influenced the way you work specifically, maybe how you set up your work from home environment or how you are experiencing your career and life and goals and passions moving forward. So I was familiar, very familiar with Marie's work before we started working together, but I hadn't gone through the Comari method at home or even in my office. And I I told myself for me to get involved in this relationship, I would have to actually go through the the method and make sure that it it worked for me and that I had a positive experience. So I started in my office and as a professor, I have a, even more so than, than most people, a very deep attachment to books. And when I say books, I had just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books in my office. And a lot of these books I hadn't read for years, if not more, maybe over a decade, certainly hadn't hadn't used them in, in so long. And so for me, one of the most powerful lessons in this method was literally taking all of the, the hundreds of books off my bookcases and I had double stacked on my shelves. You couldn't see the, the books behind because they were double, double, double teamed, even though I have tons of bookshelves in my office, put everything on the floor. And then one by one, forcing myself to engage with each book and have what at first was a very difficult conversation with myself about whether or not this book was worth keeping. But you know, as I learned over time, my decision-making became more confident and more efficient. But to have these conversations and say, well, 
yeah, maybe at one time I was interested in this topic or I studied this in college a long time ago and it used to bring a lot of joy reading this stuff. But when was the last time I read this? And am I ever going to read this again? And does this bring joy today? This might have been an important project a decade ago, but how about today? And to kind of have those conversations yeah. and then basically parse my books. I got rid of about half of my books and, and donated about half of my books. So I'm not going to say I, I have only a handful of books in my Hall of Fame. I still have quite a lot, but I have about 50% less than what I started with. And kind of going through that physicality of picking each one up and being in dialogue with it was super insightful for me. Scott, you want to be careful not to get the book people all riled up again. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, I've kept way more than 30 books. So there you have it. I mean, <laughs> we're, still, we're, still, we're, we're, still, we're still in the hundreds, okay? But we have a lot, but I have a lot fewer. But I am, you know, I am, I am an academic, so. <laughs> exactly. Well, the beauty of Kunmari, of course, is it gets you permission to keep whatever you want to, as long as it sparks joy. And it sounds like books do spark joy for you. And you found a click point that works for you at home. You've shared so many great tips today about achieving joy at work. Do you have a favorite productivity or organizing tip to share? I would say in terms of organizing, I think I would say it's actually at the end of the process that I think is is really powerful. And what I mean by that is really the practice of gratitude. Because one of the things that we see is clutter can really spiral out of control. And a lot of that comes from not already appreciating what you already have. So for me, the most powerful aspect is, is really just a dose of prevention, which is when you express gratitude and appreciation for you know whether it be the things in, in your life or something that you learn during a meeting, you start to treat what's around you as a lot more precious. And when you do, you don't have that itch to constantly clutter the stuff that you have or your calendar or the things that you're doing with a lot of waste. So for me, the best way to be productive is to appreciate what you already have. Oh, I love that. I think that is so important, especially right now. We ask all of our guests, what is sparking the most joy for you at this very moment? Okay, that's a, that's a tough one. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with, uh, <laughs> with two answers, if that's okay. I'll talk about one uh, professionally and one personally. On the professional side, I've been spending the last month researching how people are adapting to the COVID-19 pandemic and how they're working from home. And one of the most joy-sparking moments of this uh, research is when I ask other people, What's sparking joy in their own careers right now? I didn't expect, but remarkably, every single person that I've interviewed so far, and we've looked at creative types, we've looked in the medical profession, we've looked in production and some other aspects, has one of those moments. And that people are really doing an amazing job finding finding joy in troubling times. That doesn't mean their entire days are joyful, but it means that they're able to find positive meaning in these difficult circumstances. And for me, that's a that's a really gratifying experience to have because I was not I was not expecting that in the research. On the personal side, 
I've got my seven-year-old and 12-year-old daughter who, of course, have been, uh, we've been homeschooling them since the middle of March right now. And uh, as uh, most restaurants are closed and we've been self-quarantining uh, at home to social distance with everyone, uh, we haven't been able to do one of my favorite passions, which is going out to restaurants. So my my two daughters decided a few weeks ago that every Saturday night, they're going to run a restaurant for us. The theme is going to rotate and they've researched a country. They make up a, a name of the restaurant. They design a three to five course menu. They cook the entire thing. It's absolutely delicious. I had no idea that they had any capability of doing this because they really have never cooked before, but they have self-taught themselves and they surprise us with the most delicious meal and they decorate the, the dining table on theme, you know, using uh, lots of creative things, uh, hot glue, sculptures, uh, you name it. So I'm really looking forward to uh, this Saturday's meal. Wow, that does definitely sound like it would be sparking joy. And I don't have ability yet. <laughs> hey, that's even the best part, yes, right? Yes. Wow. Who does all the, the dishes? Yeah. <laughs> it's all the benefits and none of the costs. That's great. So, Scott, how can people get in touch with you? Well, the best place is my website, which is simply www.scottsunshine.com. And that's S C O T T. S-O-N-E-N-S-H-E-I-N. I've got information about both Joy at Work and Stretch on the website, as well as other articles. I've written a lot recently about working from home, so I have some other tips on there under the article section, as well as all my social media links are on the website as well. Thank you so much, Scott. It was really great to get a chance to speak with you today. Yes, thank you so much, too, for having me on the show. So now we want to hear from you. Tell us your burning, tidying questions or share stories about how Kanmari has impacted your life. Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe and review the show, which helps us reach others along their tidying journeys. To extend your tidying experience, you can join the Spark Joy Club. Visit sparkjoypodcast.com and click join the club to become a member of the Spark Joy community or join us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope your day sparks joy. Thank you for listening to Spark Joy with your hosts, Kristen Ivey of For the Love of Tidy in Chicago and Karen Sochi of The Serene Home in New York City. Spark Joy, the podcast, is not endorsed by or affiliated with Kamari Media Inc. The opinions expressed on this episode represent the views of the co-hosts and guests alone and do not represent the corporate position of Kamari Media Inc. or the Kamari Consultant Community.